Good morning. I have never seen a room full of people so into Valentine's Day. Some of the husbands are thinking, oh no, did I miss it? Oh, it's great to see you this morning. Pastor Chad has been ill this week. He uh, caught the flu and has been down and out for a few days. And so you're stuck with me this morning. But uh, it's a privilege to be here, privilege to open your word and uh, open God's word. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. So if you want to start making your way there, you can do so. We have been talking a lot about living outward and uh, just about making a difference in the life of someone else this morning. We're going to talk about a specific way that you can do that, and certainly it's a way that will make an incredible impact on someone else. As you're finding your place there, would you be interested in knowing a way that you can impact your church, you can live outward and impact your church every single Sunday morning? Anybody interested in that? Pastor Jim is. (laughs) Maybe I should ask again. You know how you can do that? You might not have noticed, but we have a bit of a parking challenge on Sunday mornings. Anybody notice that? And if you would be willing to park off-site, you can make an impact for somebody else that's trying to come to Lenexa Baptist, but maybe having a hard time doing so because the parking is so limited. Uh, we have lots close by. There's, there's some right across the street that we refer to as the blue lots. Uh, you can drive up the street just a little bit further to the gold lots, which is at Sunflower Elementary. It's a great experience. It, it really is. They, they will get you door to door in just a few minutes. Uh, you don't have to drive around the parking lot looking for a space. You don't have to walk in when it's cold or, or wet. They'll drop you off right at the door. You get a donut. What more needs to be said about that? You get to visit with one of our great shuttle drivers. But the most important thing is you're opening up a parking spot for a visitor to get in and, and to hear the word of God and to worship with us as a, as a church family. So if you're, if you're healthy and can do that, we would appreciate it very much if you would consider that. If you need any more information, you can call the church office or ask for Pastor Dave and they will uh, they'll get you all the information you need. So let's look at Acts chapter 28. You know, I really believe as Christians, we all want to make a difference for Christ. You know, we... we Uh, Got the promotion going on right now, live outward. I think we all want to live outward. We're just not always sure how to do that. And uh, even with so many ministry opportunities here at Lenexa Baptist, sometimes it just feels overwhelming. We don't know where we fit. We don't know where to step in. We don't know how we can be involved or what we could do. And we end up procrastinating. And ultimately, we miss some of the most obvious and the opportunities that are the closest to us, opportunities to bless someone else and to truly live outward while making an impact in someone's life. I really think the Apostle Paul was the poster child for living outward. I mean, he was a man that uh, was driven to make a difference. He was driven to touch as many lives as he possibly could. And in Acts 28, he shares with us a simple formula that would allow us to make an impact by sharing a loving touch with someone close to us. So let's read Acts 28, verses 1 through 8, and whether you're watching online, you're at one of our campuses, or you're here in our worship centers, I'm going to invite you to stand as we honor the Word of God, and let's read this passage together. It says, now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire 
and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall, fall down dead. But after they had looked at him for a while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, Publius who, re who received and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the, further, uh, the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him, prayed, and he laid hands on him, and he healed him. Father, as we open your word this morning, we just pray that you would really open our hearts to, to take in the message that you have for us. And Lord, it is our desire to be obedient to you, to, to be truly the, the disciples and the followers that you would call us to be, that we would be uh, quick to share the love of Christ that you have shared with us, that we would be quick to look for every opportunity to make a difference in the life of someone else. And we pray all these things with confidence in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've all heard the term, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. And sometimes I believe we do need to take a step back and really look at whether we're seeing things clearly. In the busyness of life, it's easy to overlook the ministry opportunities that are really close and, and easy to reach out and touch. And yet, because we're focused on the wrong things or because we're seeing the wrong things, those opportunities go unnoticed. So let's begin this morning by talking about what it means to have a changed perspective. To live outward, we need to have a right perspective and oftentimes that means we need to change our perspective from what it currently is. Many of you know that I make a lot and our whole staff makes a lot of hospital visits each week. I also get involved in a lot of funerals. And based on what I've seen, especially recently, I just need to be honest with you this morning. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be cold, but I am concerned about you because you all are falling apart. That's the reality of it. You're just not in very good health. Your health is failing, you're headed downhill. And I'm quite concerned about it. We don't like to talk about those things, do we? Because we like to believe that it'll never happen to us. We're bulletproof. We're unstoppable. But let's get real about how frail our bodies and how short our lives really are. The truth is, for you and for me, for the person right beside you on each side, for the person in front of you and the person behind you, we're all on a downhill slide. Our bodies are depreciating faster than we care to admit or even than we care to realize sometimes. Recently, I, I read from a study that came out from the Center on Aging, published uh, a few years ago, and the title was Why We Fall Apart. And in that study, it said childhood is a special time indeed. If we could maintain our bodies as they are at age 10, we would live an average of 5,000 years. 5,000 years. Unfortunately, from age 11 on, it's all downhill. 
Our bodies deteriorate with age and the risk of death doubles every eight years. Some of you are calculating right now. <laughs> our life expectancy is about 80 years because our bodies are falling apart. Now, aren't you glad you came to church today? I'm just here to be an encouragement to all of you all. I don't know how many tax, tax, tax dollars were spent on that survey, but they could have all been spent somewhere else. All you had to do is open your Bible to Psalm 90, verse 10. It says, we live for 70 years or 80 if we're lucky and strong. James said it another way in James 4.14. He reminds us that our life is like the morning frost. It's very real. It's very there for a very short period of time. And then it's gone as if it was never there to begin with. You see, the one thing we all have in common is that illness is inevitable. And it's only when we accept that reality that we can clearly see that some of the best opportunity to truly live outward and for making a difference from Christ are the people around us. As we'll see in Acts 28, Paul ministered to sick people and it became a springboard for sharing the gospel and for changing an entire island. Throughout the book of Acts, the disciples interacted with health-challenged people. The disciples interacted with health-challenged people as well through the gospels as Jesus sent them out to heal. Jesus himself was constantly ministering to afflicted people. And if your perspective is right and if your spiritual vision is clear, you'll see that those same opportunities are around every one of us today. There are people everywhere that just need to know that somebody cares. And like it or not, one of these days, you and I are gonna be one of those people too. Scripture tells us that Paul had a, a very long list of health concerns of his own, but his focus was never on his own failing body. It was always on the opportunities that God placed in front of him, wanting to make the most of each one. I can't stand here this morning and tell you how long you're gonna live, but I can tell you that however long God gives you, you can, uh, your life will be better. If you live every day, not, not focused on your own life and your own needs and your own self, but focused on making a difference in somebody else's life, it's a perspective that pays incredible dividends. We can't add a single day to our lives, but we have an opportunity every day to make someone's life uh, better if we're willing to just change our perspective and truly see those opportunities that lie around us. But as is true with most things in life, just seeing the opportunities is just step one. We then have to be willing to act on those opportunities. So secondly, let's talk about having an adjustment of priorities. We have a calling to match our priorities to match God's priorities. Like it or not, the priorities of your life shape who you are. They shape the you that other people see. They shape what they believe about you. They shape the way they trust you. All of those things come from the priorities of your life. It really doesn't matter what you say your priorities are. It only matters what your actions and your choices and your decisions play out to be the true priorities of your life. If you look at where you spend your time, where you exert your energy, and how you spend your, your money, you'll have a pretty good compass that points to what's really most important to you. 
And those priorities define who you are and how you live. If we look at someone that doesn't have Christ in their life, defining those priorities is usually pretty easy. Without Christ, we live for ourselves, don't we? We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it and how we want to do it. But you see, when we surrender to Christ, our life must change because our priorities must change alongside them. Our conversion about, is about going from a life that is self-centered to a life that's God-centered. And that means that you and I have to see others the way we see others should look radically different. And the way others see us should look radically different as well. How you spend your time has to change. How you exert your energy should change as well. And even where your money goes must change because you've surrendered your will and you've adopted a brand new set of priorities. Priorities that are meant to love what Jesus loved and live the way Jesus lived. So what was Jesus' top priority? What was job one for our Savior? Well, clearly it was loving and serving other people. Luke 19.10 says, he came to seek and to save lost people. John 10.11, he said, I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. And in John 10.10, he said, I came that others may have life and may have it more abundantly. His message clearly defined his priorities and his actions always perfectly aligned with his message. His priorities are easy to see and they were perfectly lived out. Everything he did, he did out of the love for other people. He was never too busy. He was never too tired, never too important, never too hungry, never too distracted and never too concerned about his own needs, his own wants or desires, that he didn't push all of that aside so that he could have an impact in the life of someone else. Even as Jesus hung on the cross, paying the debt that he didn't know but that you and I did, his priority remained loving people and loving the people around him, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And telling a thief that hung next to him that in, on that day, he would be with him in paradise. And here's the deal. If you call yourself a Christian, if you claim the name of Jesus, his priorities, they got to become your priorities. You got to be interested in the same things that Jesus was interested in. You got to view things in the same way that Jesus viewed things. It's not a subtle change that we're talking about. It's the message of John 13, 34, where Jesus told his followers, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. You think about how Jesus loved you. He loved you unconditionally. He loved you perfectly. He loved you sacrificially, enough to give everything to give you a pathway to life. No, it's not a subtle change, it's a radical change. And there's no better example of the change that's meant to take place in a person's life when they come to know the Lord than the Apostle Paul himself. You see, before he surrendered to Christ, his priorities were quite different. He was out to persecute Christians. He was out to rid the world of this whole Christianity movement. 
He was out to squash this thing before it got any more momentum. And he was doing it quite violently and quite aggressively. But then Jesus took control of his life. Jesus came into his life and everything about his life changed because he wrapped his arms around a totally new set of priorities and a life that had been full of selfish anger and, and, and actions became a life that was fully focused on being obedient to his Lord and loving the people around him. Before Paul washed ashore on Malta in Acts 28, he had been a prisoner on the ship that he was traveling on. He was sent to stand before Caesar, probably Good chance he was going to lose his life once he got there. The ship gets in a bad storm. The ship is sunk. Somehow Paul survives. And in the midst of it, those that were in charge of, his, of uh, keeping him captive, they, they thought about just killing him on the spot. Rather than let him escape, let's just kill him. But somehow he survived that. When he finally reaches dry land, he hadn't even got dried off. He's still cold and wet, and he gets bitten by a deadly snake. That had been the end for me right there. That snake didn't even have to bite me. Thing just slithers out of the wood. I'm done. But Paul kept going. When the snake doesn't kill him, the natives are afraid of him. They think he's a god. And then somehow he ends up staying at the home of the richest man on the island. Now that's a busy day right there. That's a day with a lot of distractions and a lot of things going on. And yet Paul, even though he could have lost focus due to any of those things or all of those things, he wasn't going to lose focus on what his priority for Christ was. Nothing distracted him from living out and doing what Jesus had called him to do. And somehow he still saw an opportunity in front of him, a deathly ill old man, and he made the most of it. I wonder if you and I would do the same. The story of David Sharp is a very, very sad story. David is one of many people who have died in recent years trying to climb Mount Everest. But the story about David, the sadness of it, doesn't come from just the reality that he died, although that's certainly sad. It comes from the way he died and why he died. David was an experienced climber. In fact, he had made it to the top of Mount Everest on one other occasion. And he was close to the top again when his body started to fail. Things started to break down. When he couldn't go any further, he sat down in the snow just a few feet from the pathway that the climbers used to go up the mountain. As he sat there in the snow and his body continued into hypothermia and and organs started to shut down, and he began to lose his life, at least 40 other climbers passed right by him, just a foot or two away. But you see, they were focused on climbing their own mountain. They weren't focused on the possibility that someone else might need their help, might need a loving touch, might need them to reach out. It's a sad story, but to be honest, I'd like for each of you to think about your own life and your own focus. Are you more focused on your own mountain to climb? Or are you truly open to seeing the needs of the people around you? Are your priorities, have they been adjusted to allow you to see those opportunities clearly and then to take a step toward addressing them? If our priorities are right 
Helping others isn't a chore. It's not even a choice. It's a natural reaction driven by our love for Christ and by the love that Jesus has shared with each of us. So outward living begins with a changed perspective. It requires a set of adjusted priorities, but that's not all. There's one more thing that we need to share this morning. Finally, to truly make the most of every opportunity, we have to have a basic trust in God's plan. You see, God always has a plan. It's not always a plan that we can see. It's hardly ever a plan that we can understand, it seems. But God always has a plan, doesn't he? And it's a really, really big plan. Look at verse 9. Acts 28, verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. By making one man his priority, God allowed Paul to impact an entire island of people. We don't know how many received Christ. The scripture doesn't tell us. But we do know that an entire island was changed by Paul's example and by his willingness to not be focused on himself, but to be a witness for the Lord. Verse 10 said, they honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided things that were necessary. You see, there's very often a direct connection between a person's health and what's going on in their heart. Not physically, but spiritually, emotionally. What's happening in that person's heart? When your health is uncertain, Your viewpoint about other things seems to change. Your needs change. Your attitudes change. There's uncertainty about what the future is going to hold and how it's going to play out. You see things differently, and often in the process, your heart softens, and you begin to reconsider spiritual matters. People who have never had an interest in praying before suddenly are comforted at the thought that someone is willing to pray for them. People who didn't value relationships before suddenly want to be surrounded by people that care about them and people that want to love on them. And people who have never read the Bible before suddenly are interested and open to having conversations about God There has never been a time in history when technology was was greater as far as the health care that we're offered and provided for. There's never been a time in history when there were more solutions to the the various health care matters that we face. But the fact remains, when someone's future is uncertain, they often turn to God. And it's God's plan that you and I will be ready will be willing, and will be available to share his love with them. You know what 2 Corinthians 5.18 says? It says, now all, uh, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? It means that God has given each of you the specific task, the specific ministry task, of reconciling people to Christ, of bringing people together with Christ. But to do that, you gotta be 
seeing those opportunities, don't you? You gotta be willing to step in. You gotta be willing to open your mouth. And you gotta be willing to share. God enlisted us as ministers of reconciliation, bringing people together with Jesus. And rarely are people more open than when life is turned upside down by an illness or a health concern or a problem with someone's uh, physical being. And it's in those moments that they need what only God can give. And it's in those moments when we have the opportunity to make an impact by simply trusting and engaging in God's big plan. A big plan that involves you. A big plan that involves each of us. Before Paul came to Malta, it's unlikely that any of those natives had ever heard the name of Jesus at all. We hear about places like that today where the name of Jesus has never been spoken. We send missionaries to, to unreached people groups. But it almost seems unbelievable in our world today that someone wouldn't know the name of Jesus. But in this day, these people had never heard that name before. They knew nothing about Jesus' life or his ministry. Paul stayed for about three months. I'm guessing when he left, the name of Jesus was on every lips, everybody's lips. They all knew about Jesus then. They all knew about the Lord and the Savior that Paul was serving. And it all began with a willingness to minister to one sick old gentleman. At LBC, we take outreach really seriously. We try every available avenue to share the truth. We preach it, we teach it, it's at the center of everything we do. But you know, in the economy of reaching people for Christ, often the most impactful conversations occur when life becomes uncertain and when someone is facing the reality of poor health. There's just something different about how people respond in those moments, in, the time, in their time of need, and they need someone to step in and be willing to share with them and to love them and to serve them. And I did a little research on, that, on this this week. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't gonna tell you something that wasn't true, but I can't find anything in scripture that says this is a role or a ministry that is reserved for pastors. Can't find anything that says, no, you, you gotta be a deacon to do this one. No, you, you, you gotta be a Sunday school teacher if you're gonna be part of this ministry. No, everything that I see says that this is a ministry that God intends to be shared by every single believer, every single follower of Christ. It's the admonition of 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. It says he's a God of all comfort who comforts us in all that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we have received from God himself. I always call that the pass it on scripture. We've all been in places where God has comforted us and it's a comfort that we, we look back on and, and we know there is no comfort like that that can be received from any other place. Well, this, is the, this verse says, pass that along. Share that with somebody else that's going through the same thing. Share that with somebody else that doesn't know the love of Christ or isn't familiar with how Jesus loves them. Reach out and share that God that the God of all, or that comfort that the God of all comfort has shared with you. So I know what you're thinking. Yeah, that all sounds good. But I don't, I don't know if I can do that. 
I don't know how to do that. I don't know what I should say. I don't know how to get connected and all that. What if I say the wrong thing and somebody dies? Okay, just relax. <laughs> Nobody's going to request their plug be pulled because of something you said. But there are some simple things, some simple guidelines that you can follow that are illustrated right here in Acts 28 that will lead you to be what God's called you to be. So let me give you a crash course in spiritual first aid. Number one, be there. Just be there. Just be available. Your presence is more meaningful than anything that you can say or anything you can do. Paul went to where the sick man was. It's really the most basic rule of our CARES ministry. You go where the sick people are because they're the ones that need the care. To minister to people struggling with their health, you have to go to where they are. Now, do we have some people at LBC that are struggling with their health? Absolutely we do. In fact, we have a whole ministry called LBC CARES and we send out a couple times a week, we send out an update. It's got a whole list of who's in the hospital and who's in the rehab center and who's got chronic illness and who's a homebound person and who's got cancer and all those kind of things. It's a wonderful resource. Tremendous amount of information as long as you use the information as a tool of ministry. If you just read the information, I guess it's nice to know, but it really doesn't do anybody any good. And if you're interested in getting on the list that comes out a couple times a week and you're interested to the point where you're going to act on it, all you got to do is contact me or, or contact the church office and we'll get you signed up and you'll have all the information you could possibly want about what's going on in our church. But this is a much bigger issue than what's going on in our church. Listen, when you walk out these doors, you're surrounded by people just about everywhere you go and some of them fit this description. Some of them are fighting illness. Some of them are fighting life's uncertainty. Some of them are concerned about what's going to happen to their family in the days to come. There are people that you live with. There are people in your neighborhood. You know, when you don't be an ambulance chaser, but when you see the fire truck pull up down the street, you might want to walk down there in a day or so and see what's going on and see how you might be able to care for that person. There are people that you work with, too. People in the cubicle next to you, people that uh, have been out on disability, people who, who you, maybe you know them just a little bit, but they got needs that you could address. They got things that you could pray for. They might have an open door that you can have a God conversation through. You say, well, even the church people or the, or the other people, I don't know those people. You will when you reach out to them. In fact, I just about bet you, you'll make a connection that will last a long, long time. Because if there's a shortage of anything in this world, it's people who are willing to care and listen to other people. People are hungry for it. But you gotta step into that void if you're gonna make a difference. First, you gotta be there. Second, Paul offered a prayer Paul prayed for the man. Paul prayed for, no doubt, countless others as, as, as we go through this story. Pray with people. Pray with people's family. Pray short, pray simple, 
Pray personal. Pray for healing. Pray for wisdom for the doctors and the medical folks. Pray for their family. I always ask, would you mind if I pray for you before I, before I conclude any visit? And I visited with some pretty crusty people, let me tell you. Some of you are right here in this room. <laughs> Not once have I, been say, have I been told, no, you can't pray for me. I don't want you to pray for me. People are open to your prayers. Second thing I always ask is, what should we pray? I mean, I can come up with some stuff to pray on any occasion. But if I'm praying for Tim, he may have a different list of what he wants prayed for than what I would even think about. So get them to verbalize. What are the things we should pray for? And then pray for them. Offer a prayer. So first, you got to be there. Second, you got to offer a prayer. Third, show you care. Verse 8 says, Paul laid hands upon the man as he prayed. There's something pretty special that happens, something very healing when you just touch someone when you pray with them. When you pray with somebody, ask them if you can hold their hand. Ask them if you can just lay a hand on their shoulder. Don't make it weird. Don't make it awkward, you know, but that soft touch says something that words just can't say. And it sends a message that is just absolutely priceless to people going through trials. If you're visiting somebody you don't know, it might be inappropriate to reach out and touch them, but you can at least act like you're not scared to be in the room with them. Like you're gonna catch something from them. Pull your, pull your chair up right next to them. Sit by their bed. Listen more than you talk. Let them share what's going on in their heart so you have a clear picture of how you can minister them and how you can make a difference to them. You can do this. We can all do this. But it takes effort. It takes a certain amount of determination. You truly have to have the right set of priorities. You, you definitely have to have things adjusted to where you're going to do this whether you're comfortable at it or not. It was important to Jesus. It's clearly important to Paul. And I promise you'll be blessed if you live outward in this way. You know, sometimes we get involved in ministries and we go home after we've served and we think, am I really making a difference? Is that, is that really worth my time to be doing that? That will never happen in this kind of ministry. The impact is immediate. The impact is long-lasting. You will impact the person you minister to. You will impact the family of the person that you minister to. And it will impact you. It will change you and how you see things. And how you see what it really means to live outward and to live out your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it begins with a determination to have the right set of priorities. It begins by having an adjusted perspective. And then by trusting that God is going to see you through it. And he's going to use your best effort to do things that seem 
incredible and impossible. Would you bow your head? Father, we are in awe of the incredible love that you have shared with us. A love that meets us where we are and that walks with us no matter what we face in life. Father, help us to have the strongest desire of all to share that same love with the people around us. People we know and people we don't. Help us to see every opportunity. Help us to be the followers that you desire us to be and to truly be ministers of reconciliation, looking for every avenue and every possibility to bring someone together with Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word today. Help us to live it out out as we leave this place. In Christ's name, amen.